Thank you for that. Well, let's turn our Bibles again to Acts chapter 10. And I wanted to preach this morning just on something that God brought to my attention. Um, as I announced a couple of weeks ago, we will be looking at um, making a, a bit of a transition as far as our deacons, and we're going to talk a little bit about that after the service, but as I was studying through that whole era of, of church history there in the, in the book of Acts, um, just came across this, uh, this interesting thing, and if you were following along in your in our Bible reading earlier, um, it's, an, it's just an, an interesting thing that happened. You, you think about Peter there, and, and then suddenly this, in his prayer, this sheet full of animals comes down, and you think about that, and you think about just the, the uniqueness of this, this situation. And, you know, one of, one of the things that I've, I notice when you've been in, uh, in, in church and you've been following along in your journey for the, for the Lord is that God just seems to always bring us on a journey. Is that right, church? I think we understand that. That as much as we, we go about in our lives and there's certain things that should never change, that actually God in his process of time, he brings change and newness all the time. And just reflecting on that uh, this, this week and thinking about my own journey and, you know, the, no one likes things that, no, one's, no one really likes change. And yet change is inevitable when you think about it. It's just part and parcel of life. And, you know, I remember last year we were heading back to, um, to Sydney for a time there and as you know, I grew up there and that, that really, um, really familiar with it, obviously, having driven there everywhere. And, and if you've ever been to Sydney, if you, you're not used to that, you, you know, you don't want to get used to it, right? And uh, we were heading back there and uh, it was for True North Summit and uh, decided that my wife and I will go, go a little ahead of the, the group. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do that wasn't just, just so we could spend some, some time together, but just reacquaint myself and refamiliarize myself because I was thinking, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to be the local and I need to show everyone else, right? So we went over there and found that as, as we were staying in Parramatta, a place that my wife grew up and a place that I was very familiar with, I went to university around there, um, that everything had changed. That, that place had used to be a small city, now it's quite a large city, there's all these skyscrapers everywhere and and so to you young adults, I confess, I, I, I went and did some reconnaissance, all right, ahead of time so that I didn't look so, so foolish around there and, and said, hey, this place, we should go here, and then it's no longer there. And so we did that because I knew that in the process of, of being away from there and, and relocating here, that just as the natural consequence of time, there would be changes. And, you know, all of us here, as we, we think about even in the last many months of our church, and, and th there's been some change, there's been some things that God has brought about, and, and I'm not talking about this morning about change for the sake of change. The Bible warns us against that. We are talking about, though, just the, the newness of things when God brings the change. And you're probably looking around, and, and, and maybe if you were observant in the last many, in the last year, in the last many months, you're going to notice that God's bringing in a lot of new. 
God's bringing in new families. God's bringing in new, uh, new individuals. And, 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 you know, when it comes to it with, with, with change and newness, sometimes it can become a little bit overwhelming. And, and we've got to be guarded, though, and we've got to be, have the right mindset because as we, we seek God in, in His purpose for us as a church in trying to win the lost and trying to win different families and trying to, uh, trying to ask God to give us greater opportunities to, to reach out into our community and to reach different places around the world, you know what God's going to do? God's going to bring new. And God's going to bring those that were winning. And they're not always going to be those that we might expect. They're not always going to be the ones that we, uh, we will fit the mold of what we think church is like, but that's part and parcel of life, isn't it? Change is something that God brings at times. And I, want to, I just was reminded about that even in really in the history of the, the early church. Uh, the church itself at one point was new. The church itself at one point, and, and the story of that is actually in the book of Acts. When you study through the book of Acts, it's a, it's a transitionary book. It's a book that really is coming in between one, one economy to the next. And what God was doing was going from working predominantly with the Jewish people and working in that Old Testament and Old Covenant um, agreement with, with God's people there to bringing in something new called the church. And the, the Bible's very careful to tell us that really it was a bit of a mystery, that this was something that was to be revealed. And what was, what was actually compelling about that and what was the change was God was going to bring all sorts of people, including those that, that the Jews, over the course of their history, uh, somewhat despised. They're called the Gentiles. And by the way, if I, could just, uh, if I could just teach you that, we are Gentiles, right? We're non-Jew, and therefore in God's old economy, we would have been considered thus. But uh, the... the the coming of the Lord in, in His time here on earth, it wasn't for any other purpose than to bring in the new covenant, right? The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that the death of the testator brings in the new covenant, the new agreement. And what that was, was God was going to bring in the church, which was going to be filled with those who were Jews, Greeks, barbarians, Scythians, and everything else. And the Bible tells us all are one in Christ. And the joy of that and the wonder of that and then the, the culmination of that one day when God calls us all home is that in the, the, the throne room of heaven, there's going to be every tongue, every kindred, every tribe. Can you imagine that day? And that inclusion was coming. And what we learn through the book of Acts is that, that transition period there. And so it's very apt, I think, as we think about that, to just recognize some things that, that Peter was recognizing because at the, at the very fulcrum of that pivot, at the very, um, the, the very makings of that change, central to that was really two characters. One is the Apostle Paul, and, and we're gonna, you can read about him as well in the book of Acts, just the previous chapter where you can read about his great conversion from Saul, who was this great persecutor of the church, to Paul, who was the great advocate of the church. And yet, the other character that's pivotal to that is the Apostle Peter. Peter had an interesting, uh, interesting transition time, really. Remember, 
really from the last time we read about him in the Gospels, we know that he was just in the place where God was working through some things with him. He, he was, if you know the disciples, he was often the, the one that was the mouthpiece. He was a bit of the foot and mouth disease type of guy, right? He just seemed to get himself in trouble because he jumped the gun so often and he just spoke out or, or acted without thinking. And, and a lot of us men can relate to that a little bit. But, but Peter was the, the one that God was going to use to actually preach at Pentecost and to uh, usher in a little bit of this time and see great multitudes one to the Lord. You know the book of Acts, you, you, the, the, the tremendous start to the birthing of the church there, thousands were getting saved. Can you imagine that? You imagine the, the amount of, of sudden need to meet needs and sudden uh, realization that, that this thing that, that they had heard the Lord Jesus talk about was actually real and it was about to happen. And suddenly a great amount of new, new people, new places, new tongues, new all of that had started to come into the church. And this amazing thing called the church was birth. And, and Peter was, uh, was, was, was a key figure in all of this because he was considered one of the leaders, one of the pillars of the church. And here God was dealing with him. And, and in the midst of all of this, we see Peter getting this vision of these things coming down from heaven. And, and, and coming down, and Jesus gives him this, this instruction. He sees this and all these manner of beasts. And notice in verse 13, And there came a voice to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And the, the thing that, that what was was upsetting for Peter, the thing that made him made this a little bit awkward was that those beasts were things that in the Old Testament, the law, these were certain, there were certain beasts in the dietary requirements that Jews weren't allowed to eat. And we won't take the time this morning for the sake of time, but if you look in Leviticus and Deuteronomy throughout the scriptures there, there's going to be certain instances where God says, don't eat this and don't, and, and, and don't eat that. And apparently all of those things that God presented right here on the sheet was all those things that, that in the Old Testament law was uncommon, was unclean. And you can read about that in Leviticus chapter 11 and Deuteronomy chapter 14. And, and yet the voice speaks again and says in verse 15, What God hath cleansed that call not thou common. He's saying, you know, um, Peter, there's a change. I'm about to usher in something different that you're going to need to be in line with if, you, if you're going to continue on in what I would have for you. And, and what he was doing was preparing Peter for what was to come. He was, he was going through an adjustment period. And, and what we find there is actually in the background something that God reveals to us. It wasn't just Peter praying. There was, in verse 1, if you quickly look there with me, chapter 10, verse 1, notice that there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. All right, so this man's Italian. So he brought along pizza, pasta, <laughs> praise the Lord. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. 
So he was a centurion, a, a Roman really, an Italian, so he was not of the Jews, and he saw a vision. Evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and we look, when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, whose name, surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. So at the same time that Peter was praying in his trance, in this viewing of this miraculous thing of the sheets and the, the, the sheet and the wild beasts, the four-footed and all of that, at the same time there was another one, Cornelius, who was seeking God, who was a Gentile. And, and what happened was God was bringing these two together. And, you know, you know sometimes when we're considering all that God's doing, Sometimes we only consider it from our point of view when you understand God works on several levels, doesn't he? And it's not just us here. It's not just in one. You know, it's not just in, in, in you. God's actually working in multiple levels and multiple people. And I think about, uh, there was a, an older couple from our previous church there in Sydney and for years and years they had they just hadn't sought the Lord as far as ministry and they had their desire was to be used of the Lord in, in some sort of missions capacity. And it just seemed to be as the years went on that that, that never came to be and they, they continued to seek God. They were very confident in the fact that God had called them to a certain field they, and what that field was was their hometown back in the Philippines. And for many years they sought that and, and it just seemed to be that every year there was something that hindered them. And I remember sitting with them in my office there, and, and finally, it just seemed to be everything was lining up, and they came in, and I just really sensed that from the Lord that this was time. And so we began to make preparations, and they finally got to the field, and I remember them coming back a year after, and what had happened was another generation had, had passed on in that area, and a new generation had come. And from previous, they had gone there, and they had, they had won a few but it just seemed to be that this time when they went back, there was multitudes ready for them. And what it was, was what they didn't know and what I concluded as I, saw, I sat with them and talked with them, was actually God was waiting for the right time. That God, while he was working in this couple's heart, and they just didn't sit idly by, they were, they were, they were soul winners in the church, they were those who continued to win people in their locality, and by the way, if you're that's going to be you. If God's going to call you somewhere and you're thinking you're going to win souls over there, you better be winning souls here. And so they went over there and, and what they realized was actually while God was preparing them, God was preparing those that they were going to minister to. And it wasn't that generation that they thought. It was a new generation that was coming up. And if you go over there in the, the north of the Philippines now, you're going to see a church full of young people. You're going to see a church that actually there's a handful of them now that are just ready, getting trained to start other churches there, but it was God's working. It was God was working on multiple levels. And that's what God does when, when, uh, when we're, we're coming along in our journey as we seek Him. God's going to work not just in you, but God's going to work in others. And whilst we pray, church, and whilst we seek, and whilst we get aligned with what God wants 
for our church to be a little bit more conscious of those around us and conscious of our community and conscious of our, of our families around and conscious of our area and conscious of our state and our nation and our world. God's not just working in us. God's working in others. And God's working to align that. And, and we better just get in God's place of guidance. And what happens in the first place when we think about when God does this is God is working in one, but he's often leading in another. And what we read as we think about Cornelius and Peter here was they were both in the place of seeking God. See, God speaks to us, but also speaks to others. And, and you know, there's time and time again where, where sometimes we were seeking and actually what God is doing is maneuvering in another's heart. And so as we seek for guidance, and as, we're, as God is working in us, actually God is working in others, and we better just be ready for what God is doing. We better be in that place of God's guidance. And what that was is, is clearly here, they were both in the place of prayer. You know how we get ready for what God is about to do? You know how we're comfortable and how we can, can see the way God sees when God brings something new? is we better be in the place of prayer. We better be in that place of expectation. We better be in that place of seeking God. And too often, people could just come by and let what God is doing just pass us by. Why? Because we're not in the right place. We're just in the place of just being idle passengers in the journey. When we're supposed to be actively seeking God. And what we find in Peter's life was he just went up and he just had a time of prayer. What we find in Cornelius' life was that he was in a time of prayer. And God, in all of that time, unbeknownst to them, these men had never met. They'd not known each other. They'd not even known that each other existed, probably. There was no social media then. There was no media at all. There was nothing that would ever indicate to each other that either one existed. But God knew where they were. And God knew what needed to happen. And God was the one that was orchestrating things so that when the new came along, they were both ready. You know, I, I remember, you know, asking God to work in me and, and asking God to give me uh, my uh, leading in my life. And I, I remember so many times where, you know, unbeknownst to, to me, others were praying and, and it was just, as we just happened to converse, God just, just did something in my life in that conversation. I think about, again, how it's so often the case that we're seeking God, and if others are seeking God for us, there's, a, there's just a connection there. There's an alignment there, and it's good practice for each of us as we're seeking God to ask others to seek God for us. It's good practice. And, and so while we're all seeking the same God, by the way, it's the one true God, right? Then it's the same mind and the same spirit, and He leads us along to where we need to be. And I remember several times God doing that in my life, in, in several men in our church, and, and my pastor in particular. And, and God often did that. I think about even that scene in the Last Supper when Jesus was speaking to those disciples about his betrayal. And he says, one of you will be my betrayer. And, you know, it wasn't Peter, actually, that, that had any idea who that was. Actually, none of them did. But, you know, there was only one person in that room that, was, that, that was, had the had the ability to actually ask Jesus. You know who that was? It was John. Why? Because John was close to Jesus. And so you know what Peter does? He leans over to John. He says, hey, can you ask the Savior 
can you ask Jesus who that is? Because you know what Peter was thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something to him, all right? But, but John was the one that, had, that could know. And here's a point I'm trying to make. You know, we've got to be close to the Savior if we're going to find out his agenda. You know, I think sometimes we just live our, our lives a little bit with a glazed look. Like everything will just, you know, it's just, it's just going to happen. But listen, we're supposed to be active in that. You know, you know, this morning you could know what God is doing. If you're close to God, if you're seeking Him the way we're supposed to be seeking Him, God's going to tell us things. And I just remember many times in my life I was just praying for God's leading and seeking Him. There was one particular time uh, 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 an older preacher had come. He was a, he was a youth pastor. For, I was a youth pastor at the time. He was a youth pastor for 30 years. And, and he came to our church. He just wasn't even planned. A, a, a common friend uh, knew him and, and indicated. He said, hey, he's going to be in town. Would you like him to come? And so I said, yeah, bring him along. And, and he came to a Friday night. That was the only available night. And you know, uh, as a youth pastor, it wasn't like I, I liked giving my pulpit away, so I was preaching that night, and he came in a little late, and he just observed the whole thing, and uh, what I planned was to just have dinner with him, and so we had dinner afterwards, and I remember sitting with him and asking about all of these things re- relating to youth. That was going to be all I wanted to do for the Lord. I just wanted to be a youth pastor all my life. I think I told you that. I just wanted to work with youth. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I was fruitful in it, and so... Sitting there with him, he, he told me the process that God worked in his life. And he challenged me. He said, you know, one day you're going to be too old to do this. And I said, no way, you know. And he said, no, no, one day you're going to need to think, have you ever thought that God might lead you to pastor this church one day? And I'd never, that, that thought did not enter my mind once until that night. And I remember just mulling over it and, and feeling like, well, I've been asking God for his leading. And just, you know, putting it away, just hiding it in my heart a little bit. And, and there was a conference that was coming up. It was in Rockhampton. And my pastor at the time said, look, we don't have the budget. You can't come this year. And I just really felt I needed to come that year. And I said, I said to him, oh, okay, well, if that's the case, then I'll just pray about it. Maybe if God provides... I can go. And I said, I feel really strongly that, that I need to go. And, you know, we didn't have the budget either. The church didn't have the budget. So I just began to pray. I said, Lord, I just really feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm meant to be going to that meeting. And I just prayed and prayed. And there was a, a, a fellowship meeting that I was going to go to that Friday or that Saturday. It was at Faith Baptist Church, Pastor Mansour's church that he had just preached for us. But um, I turned up that night, and afterwards, it was a good service, uh, nothing in particular I could remember about it, but I remember afterwards, a man in that church, who I'd, I'd probably spent one time with, he didn't really know me, he came up to me, and he said, Brother Hernan, um, God's put you on my heart, and he said, um, here's, here's a, he gave me an envelope, and he said, just, God said, be a blessing to that man, and so I open it, and wouldn't you know it? It was the exact amount I needed to come to that meeting. And just in there, and I didn't tell anyone, I didn't tell my pastor, but this man didn't know us, really. And he gave me that envelope. I remember just thinking, well, God answered that, didn't he? And whilst God was working in my heart, God was working in his heart. And so this was 
God bringing me to the new. And what happened during that conference was God was working on my pastor's heart and, and God was working on him on about different things. And that was the flight on our way back where he leaned over. And I'll tell you now, we were flying over Brisbane. <laughs> and he leaned over and he said, would you pray about pastoring our church? And I looked at him, I said, but you're pastoring our church. <laughs> but he said, would you pray because this is what God's doing in my life. And that was all just God bringing me to the new. And, and what we were doing, it was simply this. We were just in the place of God's guidance. And you know, too many of us, we just don't get in the way of God's way. We're, we're out of the way. And, and we were there. And I remember just, just that was the, the start of God working on my heart to look beyond, you know what, what I was comfortable with. Because that's, that's what happens. You see, what, what God does is, is when he brings new and he's trying to move us forward and he's trying to guide us and there's a working in our lives and he's leading others to, to, to work uh, his work and to align some things, what, what God is actually doing is God is doing some adjusting. And what was happening in my life was I was very comfortable. You know, the thing that we hate about change is because it disturbs our comfort. We're comfortable. And we're comfortable with, with what, what we've gotten used to. And, and I had gotten used to serving God in this way, and I was comfortable in that. And I, I, I was comfortable in that space. I was comfortable to preach to those group of young people. I was comfortable with that age group. I had learned to get to know them. And yet, when I recall it, I just remember when I was not comfortable with that age group. And I, I never got along with young people. But God also brought me through that, and I was going through this journey of change and new, and what God was actually doing, He was adjusting me. But you know what, what comes with adjustment? Discomfort. All right, God adjusts, uh, He's adjusting that won't always match our comfort level. And that's what was happening with Peter. Peter was, was uncomfortable that his 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 Jewish world was being rocked by these Gentiles. And he didn't understand that this wasn't just something happening. This was something that God was causing to happen. And we've got to view it that way. And again, if we're not in that place of guidance and if we're not in that place of, of seeking God, we're not going to see it that way. And, and Peter needed to be in the place of adjustment. And God was adjusting him. And, and you know, change isn't typically, typically comfortable, is it? Change usually means a disturbance of the norm. It's a, it, we get in a situation we've never encountered before. And, and Peter was confronted with what he deemed actually detestable. You know, he, he said those things. He, he, the, the Lord knew his thoughts. He says, you know, Peter is saying to the Lord, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. That was his view of that. And yet Peter had to be adjusted. And, you know, the, the, you think about the early church. It was already experiencing this exponential growth and there were already problems. In fact, the reason why they even had to seek out men full of the Holy Ghost was to serve tables. There was already an issue. And, you know, it was, a, it was the Grecians' widows. 
You understand, there were all of these issues that were starting. And, and by the way, that's what happens with growth. Growth comes with issues. But if it's God's growing and it's God's doing, then God will guide us through the issues as well. It just takes a little bit of just getting in the way and going through God's adjusting of us. And God was adjusting here the, the Peter, who was uncomfortable with the change. He, he was uncomfortable with the fact that he had to deal with, with the Gentiles. And in fact, Peter himself was through this whole transition period in his life. You remember the Lord Jesus himself. He said, you know, Satan hath desired to have thee that he may sift thee. Right? But then he tells him, but when you're converted, strengthen thy brethren. And there was just something that Peter was going through. He went through all of that discouragement. He went to the shores of Galilee there and, and Jesus had to tell him, lovest thou me more than these? He had to go through all of that after failing Jesus. And, and Jesus was going through a, a real period in Peter's life where he was trying to knock out Peter's confidence in himself and knock out Peter's comfort levels. You know, as, as people, we can go easily comfortable. We sit in the same pews. Oh, pastor, you're meddling now. <laughs> sit in the same pews. We like the same order of service, and we like our, you know, our, the time that we've always had church. And who are these people that are, oh, who's sitting in my row this week? Who took my parking spot? I've always parked there. Who's, who took my pew Bible? Because I always take that pew Bible. Because I always forget my Bible. Whatever it is. But you know, God, what God is doing is He's, he's actually adjusting us. We don't like change. We just want to be in our place. We want to be where we always have been. And, and yet that's not God's model for that. God doesn't, God doesn't just sit around and allow us to sit idle by and just go comfortable. Because God actually wants to grow us. And God wants to bring new. And Peter was uncomfortable because there were things that he needed to let go of. And that was the reality of, of change in Peter's life. He tells him, kill and eat. You know what he was saying? Partake. What your previous mindset, he said, do away with. He said, kill and eat. And he says that he had to go th through this thrice. And, and God was bringing new to Peter. And Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten. And he's saying that you're, you're right. You've never eaten, but I want you to eat. I want you to partake. And, and it could be that it, you've never sat with that person before. You've never said hello to that person before. You've never had a conversation. They're all new and you have to introduce yourself. <laughs> and you know what God's doing? He's trying to bring something to your attention. Someone that you could care for. Someone that could make a difference in your life and you could make a difference in their life. And someone that, that has a need that possibly within your own, within your own resources you're able to. And, and, and God is lining it up, but you've got to be in the way. 
you've got to be in that place of prayer and you're that place of considering, uh, that place where you're, you're okay to be adjusted by God. You're okay to allow Him to, to, to level out your, your comfort and help you understand that actually if you're going to do something for Him, you better get used to getting uncomfortable at times. And Peter was uncomfortable. Why? Because he just had his old mindset. And, and he had this Jewish mindset, and we can, you know, we can become trapped by our, by our habits. We can become trapped by our human identity. We can be trapped by our comfort. And you know, I think about Jonah. You know, Jonah who couldn't fathom that, that God would save such a heathen place like Nineveh and to the point where, where Jonah tried to run away and he got swallowed by a giant fish, didn't he? And you know what? He still ended up on the same beach. <laughs> and what happened, I just find this, this is, for me, this is one of the funniest complaints about God I've ever heard. He points at God and says, I knew you were merciful. I knew you were forgiving. I knew you would repent of the evil. And you know why? Because actually, Jonah had prejudice in his heart for these people that actually God could forgive and love. And you know, many times we could judge those that come through the doors and judge our community and we could look around and, and yet we forget that actually we're not for the grace of God. That's us too. The way God sees. And, and Peter was seeing these beasts like he always saw them. He saw them as those four-footed and unclean and common and and yet God was saying, kill and eat. He's saying, partake. Hey, listen, there's a, there's a new economy now. There's the church that is coming. And, and Peter, I want you to be part of it. I want you to be part of the agenda here. And, you know, so many times we're glad for how God works until it encroaches on our comfort. You know, we'll love it when, when, when the preacher preaches on our neighbor's sins, but as long as it's not our sins. <laughs> You know, Pastor, why, why, get it, why get on my business? Right? That person's a greater sinner than me. Listen, we're all the chiefest of sinners when you think about it. And we all, we all need God to adjust us. But that adjustment comes with a bit of discomfort. And you know what God will do, though, as we seek Him and, and God's starting to adjust us? God's going to give us opportunities to practice. Because that's what happened here. Peter was just seeing this vision. Jesus was trying to adjust him. Cornelius was told to go seek Peter. And so all of that collides in verse 17. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So there he was. He's just, even as he's thinking and doubting through it, and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. And while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them. And notice the instruction, they're doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto, unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is the cause wherefore you are come? 
And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man and one that feareth God and one of good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into this house and to hear words of thee. And so they come, these messengers, they're trying to recollect to Peter the things, they recount to Peter the, the, the very things that was happening to, to, to Cornelius. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And, and Peter gets the explanation. He's saying, Cornelius is about to tell him, God told me to meet you. And God was, 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 was aligning sort of their spheres and, and helping Peter understand, no, no, the, I'm, I'm dealing with the Gentiles too. I'm bringing something new. And Peter had to, was given immediately an opportunity to practice. You know what happens when you make a decision for the Lord and you seek after him, he's going to give you an opportunity to practice. You know, some of us, if we're genuine in what we're seeking, God's going to just bring that opportunity. You know, some of you, 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 you prayed last week perhaps to give you an opportunity to speak to your neighbor and, and suddenly on Monday morning you both came out your door at the same time. And you were just like, oh, hello, my name is. <laughs> and God's going to do that if you're genuine. If I can pick on Aaron a little bit, you know, the other week, we were chatting there. We, had, we were out with the young adults, and I just came up to I just was praying for the, the group, and God put him to mind. And I came up to Aaron, and I said, hey, how's it going? You, you're preparing for, for a city Bible study. You're going you're gonna to teach, aren't you? And he said, yeah, yeah, I've got some things. And, and I just felt pressed because I've been praying for him. I said, Aaron, do you want to do Wednesday night? And he looked at me in horror, <laughs> but he said, actually, Pastor, I've been praying for God to, if I can share this, for God to give me more opportunity to be used, and it just was the witness in, in, in that to say, you know, God's been working in him as well as he's in me, and you know, he, he did a tremendous job that Wednesday, and um, we were away, unfortunately, I wasn't here to, to, to hear that, we were away at the prayer retreat. But I heard great reports, and I know he, he worked through that and, and, and did some study there, and others helped him in that. But what I'm saying is, is along that, God's going to give you an opportunity to practice. And you know what, what each person that God brings along your way is? It's an opportunity to practice because we've been talking about reaching people. We've been talking about reaching the lost. We've been talking about reaching the world. And you know what God's doing? He's bringing people. And he's giving opportunities to practice. He was to involve himself. And we know later, Peter still had some lessons to learn. We, we know in, in, that, uh, in Galatians chapter 2, uh, Paul had to withstand him to face. Why? Because Peter, when, when, the, when the Jewish leaders weren't around, he was eating with the Gentiles. And then when the Jewish leaders came, you know what Peter did? He went up and he separated himself. Peter still had work to do. And listen, God's always going to be working with us. Why? Because we, we never really arrive. And God's going to give us levels of practice and levels of times where we're going to need to. And, and yet, later on, and we, we read it there and look at, um, look at chapter, chapter 10. And after all of that, 
that witnessing of what had happened to Cornelius in, in knowing God. Notice verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And notice verse 35, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And, and a bit of that working was happening later on. You know, it was, it was Peter who wrote, and we often quote this without remembering who said it, Second Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Peter understood eventually that the gospel was for all, that he was meant to feast in all the newness that God was bringing in. And Peter had to rest content in God's plan regardless of his own practice. And you know what, what the tension of, the, of our earthly life is? Is either we follow our own agenda or we follow God's agenda. That's it. That's the tension of our earth here, of our, our life here on earth. Is we either follow God's agenda or we're following our own agenda. And you know, too many times what our own agenda entails is that we preserve our comfort. We preserve what we know to be rather than understanding what God is doing and where God is heading and what God is changing. And when we suddenly, we're just, we're just, just stuck. You know, when you read the early happenings in the book of Acts, even the time at Pentecost, they hailed from all nations, a mix of Jews and Gentiles. And, and again, in God's economy of things now, in the church age, there's neither Greek nor Jew. Circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And we know that that grafting in in Romans chapter 11 that he teaches there and God's economy of things was changing. And in the church we say, we may see whom God is bringing. You know what we're saying? Practice. Practice. And, and you know what? At the end we need to just rejoice and accept all of God's revealing. Because we can, sometimes we can fight God in a change when it's God. You know what Peter did? He opened his mouth and he rejoiced. He said, of a truth. He understood. He understood this was God and Peter had to accept that this was God's doing and Peter rejoiced with all that God had changed. And I'm saying sometimes we can get so stuck in our ways that when God is the one bringing in the change, and that could mean, could mean new people. That could mean new opportunities. That could mean even new leaders. That could mean new ways of doing things. You know, the human nature in us wants to complain rather than rejoice. And what I'm saying is Peter and Cornelius, at least they were in the way you know, for Peter, he wasn't quite there yet, but he could at least rejoice in the evident working of God. He says, of a truth, God is no respecter of persons. And it's amazing that when we get in the way, the blessings that flow out of that. And, you know, I'll tell you now that as I've journeyed through the Christian life, 
whenever God has brought new to my life, it has always at times filled me with a bit of nervous energy. It has filled me with a bit of what, what's happening now. But I'll tell you, those times when I've been in his way, God has always brought that new to be better and greater and a greater blessing. God's brought me to places that probably, and, and God's let me know people that I probably would never met if I was uncomfortable with change. And I resisted change. But, you know, as a church and as God's people, if we're in his way, what we're going to find is we're just going to know and we're going to understand and we're going to rejoice in what God is doing. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. And Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for the opportunities that we've had over the last many and even recent, uh, recent months, Lord, to see you bringing, Lord, those that you just deem to be added to. And I'm thankful, dear God, that we just get an opportunity to, Lord, see your work happening around us. And that, Father, we're not just, Lord, stagnant and we're not just, Lord, just looking at what used to be but what could be. And we're thankful, dear God, that, Lord, you're working. And, Father, Lord, I pray that you just help us to get ourselves out of the way and, Lord, to get in your way, dear God, and to get in, in your path and your, your plan for us as individuals, Lord, in our different neighborhoods, but also as a church. And that, Father, we would just be ready to, Lord, to, to do what we're supposed to do when you, when you give us opportunities to see what's new. And I pray that you would just help us this morning to just again, Lord, just surrender ourselves to your working in our lives. And, and you just